Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Cambridge Islamic College podcast. It has been narrated in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Whenever some people gather in one of Allah's houses to recite the Book of Allah and study it among themselves, then calmness, tranquility descends upon them. The angels surround them, mercy covers them, and Allah mentions them to those who are with him. Some of the most recited verses of the Holy Quran are from the last chapter. These verses are some of the first to be taught to children and new Muslims as well as recited regularly in congregation. So what better way for us to launch Cambridge Islamic College's podcast channel than with Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadwi's Tafsir of Juz Amma. It is often said that Tafsir requires knowledge and understanding of all of the Islamic sciences and not just knowledge of the Arabic language. Sheikh expertly deciphers the intricacies of these surahs and in his unique and intimate manner makes them relatable. So without further ado, let's begin this journey. You know, it is, you know, the problem is simple really. When the religion becomes identity, so whenever your identity is attacked, you think you don't exist anymore. You're gone. Your dignity is gone. Because that, that identity tells you you are Muslim. If the identity is gone, Islam is gone. But if Islam is deeper, it is Iman Islam, then you know that these things, they have importance, but they are secondary. If even, you know, if still we can be believers, you know, if, if you know, some of those things, they are not kept as we expected, still we can be believers. And actually many of those things also we have corrected. What we think to be Islamic, not necessarily it is Islamic. And also things which we think it is so important, they are not necessarily so important. But we Muslims never want to learn. If any unbeliever does something which goes against our understanding of Islam, becomes so upset. But we never make effort that how many things we do which goes against the Quran and Sunnah, we never make effort. So many problems that are happening in this society really is made up by Muslims because we are not believers, we are not Muslims, and we don't want to make da'wah. You know, in, in any community, believers actually are in a much bigger need of peace and to remove the tension than any other community because you need, you want to call people to Islam. You need to make da'wah, and da'wah never can happen if you keep creating tension. So believers should actually accept, you know, some, some harm of, you know, something because of the bigger benefit. You know, Umar Khattab said, you know, life is not that you choose between the good and, and bad. Very often you have to choose between two evils. Now you think really, if I behave the way we behave, it is going to harm Dawah of Islam in this country. So which one is greater? Topi is greater or Dawah? Head scarf is more important or Dawah of Islam is more important? Just tell me which one is more important. And I think properly. And also, you know, this thing that, you know, segregation or thing like that. First thing, actually, I, you know, even if some people say it is very important, uh, you know, but it is not important the way they, they explain. Second thing, actually, if you look properly in detail in the Quran and Sunnah, you don't find it so important. So far, things which there have been more than one opinion in insisting unnecessary is, is wrong. You know, things on which all ulama agree, yeah, people should be more firm about that. But things where they disagree, if you can't follow any, you know, easy opinion and which can help to remove the tension, I will think people should do that because we really want to have peaceful society. Otherwise, what will happen really is if you keep creating tension, you will lose everything. Simple thing, you keep losing one thing after the other. And that's what the ulama say. The people who don't accept one small loss, loss, they have to accept a bigger loss that they happen. And I mentioned you to a story so many times that, you know, in Burma, Muslims were so powerful, a time came when they were forced to leave Burma. If we people don't learn to behave properly, 
and we don't live as messengers and understand this properly, then we will lose every single feeling that we have got one after the other if we don't appreciate what Allah has given to us. No, no, it is referring that, you know, the, this life of the people, it is all a hardship, struggling, moving from one hardship to other hardship, you know, people are doing. But this hardship you are not doing to get any, any ease. You are doing this to, to come to your Lord. You are moving from one stage of the hardship to the other stage of hardship, not, you know, going because something happened. It is going to meet your Lord. You can't escape Him. You know, sometimes people do some suffering, something like that, eh, to, because they are expecting something where it can please them. But this suffering is not easy. You are moving, you are forced to move from one stage to other stage and your only end is Lord, nothing else. You never can escape that. You are going to Him. That's what You never can escape Him. That's, that's, that simple thing is basically what makes sense is listen to Him. If you are coming to Him, you can't escape that, then obey Him. So then you can get a, this reward. Book on your right hand. If you don't listen to Him, that's punishment. Quran wants to say that in the, all the life of the people is struggle one after the other one stage to other stage, and then end is meeting their Lord. Not only for believers, it's for believers and unbelievers both. Both are the same thing. And the ending is the same. But th those who use their life properly, they will get into paradise. And those who did not obey their Lord, they are going to fire off hell. That's why the Quranic verse started there with Adena, listening and obeying. Think, simple thing really is if you are not a messenger then no doubt these issues are very important you have to keep those identities otherwise Islam is gone so till then don't start with this start from real thing really start worshipping your Lord understand him properly read the Quran bring the Iman Islam your life and you know convey that message you know spend your time on these things they are the real thing that people will come to Islam if you make your Islam just you know within these few things 
لكن مواد ثانوي رحمه الله ستوري از فيري نايس ستوري مواد ثانوي رحمه الله تعالى ان ون اوف ذا انديان ريفورمر ونس هي وينت تو ا فيلج نير كانبور وين هي وينت تو ذيس فيلج ذات فيلج واز اول سني مسلم بت ذيس بيبل فور لونج تايم ذي ديد نوت نو اني ثينج ابوت الاسلام اكسبت ون ثينج ذي ان محرم ذي يوز تو كاري تازيه تازيه بيسيكلي از يو نو لايك كاندولنس ان ذا ريمبر حسين امام حسين تو شي ا ثينج ناتين تو سني بت ذي ار سني بت ذي دونت نو اني ثينج ابوت الاسلام اذر ذان ذيس ثينج So these people came to Mawathana and said uh, that one of Muslim preacher came to our village. He said, "You people are not Muslim, and you what you do Tajia is actually more, more you bring more sin, uh, you know, uh, and you are not Muslim." So they came to Mawathana. They said uh, that you know th- th- we never know anything about Islam other than this Tajia. We were thinking if you do Tajia, you are Muslim. So that we have been doing Tajia, we have not, not we don't have anything else anyway. So Mawathana said, "No, no, keep doing Tajia. You know it is very important for you. Keep doing all you know Tajia is very important." And then he came back. people t- told him that why you are uh, made them to make tazia and you always against it he said because nothing is left from the islam except tazia if they leave tazia islam is gone to at least they have got something if our islam is with these identities yeah then you keep but if you want really to do something else then start from the beginning you know, start with the iman with the love of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the prayer with the salah and leave these issues they will come later on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you more chance to to have those you know those things settled down But come to Iman Islam. To always, you know, try to explain to the students that in the universities, you know, in these, in, in, in those places, always teach people Iman and Islam. And when you bring the speakers, never ask speakers to speak those issues, issues which are marginal, which are you know belong to certain schools. So don't ask them to teach you about Sufism, or they don't ask them to teach you about Hanafi Madhab or Maliki Madhab, Shafi Madhab. No, ask them to teach you purity of the heart, purity of the prayer. ask them to teach you life of the companions life of ibrahim alislam life of musa alislam you know the quran message of the quran you know what iman means what tawakkul means all those which are real in islam and they are not controversial so then unity will remain in the society, in islam society and, and people learn but if you keep making these small issues and you want your group to be more powerful you will be further divided and more weaker and no group will remain then all groups will go away nothing will remain So really, we should use some sense. Really, you know, Iman and Islam should be more important to us than the identity, than the groups, than the madhab, than the masalak. Is it clear? Yeah. What, what, what about uh, Sharia law and things like that? Yeah, same thing. Law. You know, I'm trying to say Iman, Islam is the main thing. Laws are extension of the Islam, but we create some mission to it. Start with the life of Ibrahim and Islam. You know, Musa and Islam's life will come later on. Musa and Islam is the one who made extension of Islam. So first, we don't have Iman Islam, and we are talking about cutting the hand and this and it. Ne- you know, understand really that it, it, people never can be good Muslim by the law. Laws never make, you, never bring party to you. Never make laws function are very limited. Laws do only one thing to keep the the tradition and culture, whatever that is, in in in, in uh, protected. If you have got Iman Islam, then Sharia can protect it and help you. But if there no Iman Islam, what Sharia is going to do? Sharia is not going to bring Iman Islam. You know, if people are honest and people are peaceful, then the laws of the country they can help them to keep the peace. But if people want to do robbery, cheating, lying, this and that, laws are not going to make any help. Any the society will re- become worse and worse. You have to change the society from the beginning. If you think really any society can be changed by the law, it never can happen. That will problem happen with India and you know, Pakistan and Bangladesh. I remember really when in the beginning of you know when British rule was in India, so an Indian people wanted to have independence. the british people for their own interest you know for their own reason they said no you are not ready for that you know the when time will come when you give freedom this is what to delay but i really feel they are right 
they, they were not, they did not have good intention, but they right. In the end, people were not ready for the freedom. Meaning is, freedom is not just you get a power. It really, you need to improve so many things. You got the power, and all the society, everything remained the same, corrupt. Then you can see the children are the same people. They left their country, and now they want to live under British rule here. Just think, really. If you really wanted your own independent country, you got it Why you are here. Because you can't, you can't, change, you can't bring democracy, you can't bring you know, a, a, a peaceful society just by changing the government. You know, it is not by changing the face. It is really you need to do on the roots and the foundations. You know, change everything. Nothing is changed. Things remain the same and now Indians are masters. You can see how in India there are many people, they say British rule in India was far better than Indian rules. That people say like that. Just think. So, you know, bring the change from inside. You know, and when you say Sharia, Sharia, it really creates more problem because in this country, in Europe, people don't understand the history. If you look at the history, people have got so much suffering under the church here. And they know really what religious rule means. So much suffering. So when they is, is hear the word Islamic law, Sharia, it reminds them their dark history. So they think even the religion comes in the power and it brings its laws, it is going to uh, take away all the freedom and more suffering for the people fighting and all those things. That's what they think. To, uh, for Muslims, it's far, far better for a while to forget the word Sharia, to forget the word the law, Islamic law, just keep mentioning Iman Islam until the people become ready for that. If you don't do this, law will not make any difference. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never can give paradise to the people because they follow Islamic law. If you don't have Iman Islam, you can follow law, but for worldly purpose. And there are people that they use Islamic finance system, not because they are very good believers, because Islamic finance system can make them richer. So that's why you can see Western, you know, in the West, they don't lack any, any law from Islam except Islamic finance law. Every bank is happy here to make a corner for Islamic finance because it, they don't find any difference. Islamic finance does the same thing what they have been doing. Enjoyment of this world, more money, more richness. They're doing Islamic law at the end is going to be used for that purpose. If Iman Islam is there, then law will help us. But if Iman Islam is not there, then we are going to use law for our worldly purpose. Is it clear? Maybe it needs a, the whole day about Sharia and Islam and the state and power. Next question. Yeah. Then we have to explain properly. Then it will be easier. Otherwise, if you say like that, misunderstanding, and some people will say that I, you know, I don't believe in Sharia. People will say like that. They do not understand what I'm saying. It needs really you know, proper and clear explanation. Sheikh, uh, uh, can you give a brief uh, introduction to your work on Muhajjah, please? Okay. Or something else? You have been asking so many times these things, but go ahead, let me. Okay, okay, we'll discuss that. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the last time, you know, when I was teaching Surah Al-Takwir, there was a came, وَإِذَا الْمَعُودَ تُسُؤِلَتْ in the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask those women who have been buried alive by their fathers, by their relatives, Allah will ask them what was their crime. So one thing very clear, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates people, He wants to give them space and time. And, you know, and they can use their abilities and their faculties and their energy and power you know, to, to, to be something. But if somebody is created and you take out the right of in existence from that person, it is a big, big wrongdoing. But if somebody is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you make them to live, but you never make any effort for their talents to grow, never give them any space to learn and to study, to understand and think, and they never have any dignity of the life, same thing, question will be there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the male and female, men and women, 
so they can you know use this space they can learn from this space and from learn from the guidance of allah and they can improve themselves and become better human being but if you don't give them the chance what will happen is uh, that uh, you know they they don't learn they don't have knowledge and they will come as ignored nothing and you know many for example in islam there are many many women like khadija and this and that so they have got space they have got they have got you know a, a time and opportunity to learn they become like that many many women of our time they would have been like like those people but we never provide any time for any space for them to learn to study and to 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 make their iman islam and they died they couldn't do anything so my advice my 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 concern basically always have been that in muslim societies for long time the women have got no respect do people don't like this word for me but uh, the truth basically go to your house and seriously people don't respect the women fathers don't respect their daughters brothers have no respect for their sisters and all the time you can see very clearly people have got respect only for the male children and when they were they want to expect anything they expect only for the male children they respect not their even husbands husbands when they don't respect the, the wives you know is what they expect from the wives something else they don't think the wives they can be good companions good helpers you can take advice from them nothing like that so when i started my work on muhaddathat you know one of my main concern really was that this work at least will prove to the people that islam in the past was not like that in the past muslims they really made effort to give the women all the respect that they they, they needed they respected them they provided that why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know allowed the women to come to the mosque they learn in the mosque learn everywhere properly and he even said don't stop the women from coming to the mosque and when he come to the did the prayer he carries his grandson hasan husain sometime on his shoulder and sometime his granddaughter umar bin tabil as you know treating them properly nicely in, in the same way same opportunity to so that respect that actually allah swt has given you know for, for the women in the time of the prophet and after that for few generation that has gone so my concern was that if i write that history so at least people can remember and they can make effort to come back and also it could be good different for islam because many people think in the west and everywhere else that is the position of islam women in islam is very very bad so i wanted to make very clear islam is not responsible for that it is really muslims our culture our tradition that what what had made uh, you know very bad and especially if you think really that you know is with my one percent effort and i just read the sources only once i i miss many many sources and just read and only one discipline hadith and alhamdulillah i collected the biographies of eighth around ninth basically now it has increased because each time i get more information i keep adding it used to be at 805 8500 women now nearly or maybe more than more than 1000 9000 women just in the field of the hadith research of one person missing many many sources and i really clearly know that there are many much more information but i don't want to go there because i have to i'm doing so many other things you know that thing really if only in the field of the hadith in you know in this history of islam there have been more than 9000 women in every part of the world and they used to teach people hadith and also give the fatwa and they're teaching in the mosque of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the haram they're teaching in makkah al-mukarramah they're teaching in jerusalem they used to teach in every single mosque of of egypt and syria morocco and also many part of the muslim world and many many learned people among the men big imam ibn asakir al-dimashqi ibn hazrat al-qalani suyuti sahavi ibn taymiyah imam zahabi mizzi birzali even abu hanifa malik shafi ahmad al-hanbal all these people they have attended the classes of many many women they learn from them 
It is not that women were just receivers of knowledge and no, people felt need to go and learn from them. And, and Imam Abu Abdullah al-Hakim al-Nasaburi, he is very right when he said that Muslims for one quarter of the religion, they depend on the teachings of the women alone. Just think really. That's one quarter of the religion only known from them. And that's why I keep saying that no single religion in the world where women have played such an important role in the formative period of the religion, except Islam. Islam was made by the women. You can see there are many, many rulers coming from the women. Those fatwas only are with the women. If we, we, if we remove them, we will lose one quarter of the religion. Many, many ahkam about bath, about the prayer, even about the buying and selling. Many about the divorce and the marriage. They are not known to the believers except through the female companions. They are the people who taught, the, taught, taught, taught men. You know, we should understand, and also later on, really, many, many books of the Hadith, Mojib Kabir Tabrani, 25 volumes, and many books, Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, they have been transmitted and taught by the women in, in, in so many times everywhere, and the biggest part, they come and learn from them. And I remember one thing, really, I, I always notice that the most sound copy of Sahih Bukhari always have been referred in Muslim world, you know, by the name of the copy, copy of Karim al-Marwaziyya. Her copy of the Bukhari always have been the best one. If you... Every other copy of Bukhari, even by male, there are some problems. The best copy of, the, of Sahih Bukhari always have been mentioned by the people to be the copy of Karim al marwadiyah female. So, you know, there is this really very, very rich history. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I did not organize my thought properly how to, where to start. But simple thing really is that my work has this, this purpose, to bring the dignity and respect for the women in the society, especially in the Muslim society. And second thing really is that when women come forward, they will help the knowledge to move forward. We need, as in the past, you know, these women, they made their contribution, and men have to come learn from them. In our time, if men don't do, women do more. And we can learn from them, but there are some people who say, you know, there are enough mufti among the men, why we need women? No, there are not enough mufti. It could be that some research women can do better than the men. In the past, it could be that something women can explain far a better way than the men. We don't have enough mufti. What we have got, actually, enough people who make fatwas. But they are not thinkers. It's not a proper fatwa. So let's, you know, provide this opportunity. Same as that. We don't want to change Islam. We just want to really bring Islam to the same thing as was in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Nothing more than that. Is it enough? Yes. Okay. Can you give introduction to this as well? That's another time. Of, of, it's coming up in two weeks. Just quickly, please. Okay, then. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You know, Nukhbatul Fikr, is one of the book, books written on the usul hadith, on the principles of basically hadith, that how you uh, study the hadith and how to uh, verify the hadith. And there are many, many works before that. Ibn Hazrat Asqalani, one of the late muhaddith, expert of the hadith, he wrote his book and summarized uh, all the contents of the book from many, many books written before him. Very big, in just summary. And then he wrote commentary on that, and very good commentary. Since he wrote, because he wrote such a nice way, and he organized it so nicely, since then, the book became part of the curriculum in every single madrasa and every center of learning, wherever people want to learn hadith and study the hadith, one of the major texts that they read is the book of Ibn Asqalani, Nukhbatul Fikr and its commentary. So if people have got any elementary knowledge of the mustalahat al-hadith, you know, the principle of the hadith, then if they read this book, they can, you know, they can, their knowledge can uh, move forward. And they can understand, have better understanding how the people in the past, they used to authenticate hadith and what really means to hadith to be sound, sahih, or daif, or weak, or fabricated, and what effort people have done 
and what are different categories of the hadith and also what are the different categories of the books of the hadith you know like Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim and what are the difference between those collections and other different collections in, uh, in the Muslim history. So this book uh, can give you uh, you know can summarize a way of understanding of all the effort that have been made by the Muslim in, in, in the past. So inshallah when this course will happen uh, you know I'll make my effort to make a good commentary as much as possible on the book and at the same time to provide a critical explanation of many, many things uh, which are very often you know, popular among the people, but not necessarily it was the same way understood by the people of our generation, especially, especially Bukhari and Muslim and people like them. Is it enough? Mention about critical things that this is different now. You know, I'm trying to say, when he wrote his book, is what I feel like an introduction. The purpose of the book is not that you understand and you know what Sahih and Daif means fully. So he will have one definition. But in the history of Islam, when people say al-hadith as sahih, sahih hadith, it is not one simple meaning. When Bukhari says sahih, he has his own meaning. When Muslim says sahih, he has his own meaning. But when Imam Tirmidhi says hadith is sahih, it is not the same meaning. The conditions change. And then after that comes people like Ibn Hibban and Hakim. When they sahih, their conditions even become weaker. It will, it will much more loose. Similarly, when people say hadith accepted, they don't have the same meaning. When Imam Malik says hadith accepted, he has certain conditions in his mind. When Abu Hanifa says hadith accepted, certain condition. If you apply condition of Bukhari Muslim to those hadiths which have been accepted by Abu Hanifa and Malik, they are weak. If you apply the conditions of Bukhari Muslim to the hadith of Abu Hanifa and Malik, many of them will be weak. So we have to understand really what were the conditions you know, in the mind of Abu Hanifa and Malik and how they categorize certainty to be acceptable. But when the later generation comes, they change. Why the, why the change happen? Why, you know, why the, this evolution happened in the history of hadith? So many of these things, you know, when it comes, you know, and also many, th- I, you know, I, this I have been teaching for a long time, not only in usul hadith, and also in usul fiqh, many, many things has come in, into the usul fiqh and hadith, either influence of Greek logic and philosophy and alim kalam, they are not purely part of these sciences. So one has to understand, distinguish these things, what are pure hadith sciences and what has come from outside. And now at, at our time, it all has become mixed, and people actually believe that they are all pure Islam. They are not pure Islam. Some things have been coming from outside. So that we have to make very clear. Inshallah, when I teach, if I have time, to, I'll you know, point out many of those things which have come from other direction. They are not necessarily from the Hadith. Is it clear? So, Sheikh, would it help for, you know, there's lots of criticism about Hadith within the universities, Orientalists. Would it help with that? Yeah, you know, the thing basically is, you know, once I taught this book, this, actually I have taught this text many, many times. Once I taught in the Oriental Institute in, in Oxford, in the university, and they said to me that in the history of the Oriental Institute, Usul Hadith never have been taught by a Muslim. The first time it is being taught by a Muslim. And the people are sitting there, you know, you know they're not Muslim. So I, when I started my, you know, my, my teaching, I said one thing very clearly, that we Muslim believe that Hadith is divine. Hadith is from Allah is divine. Nobody can change. We believe in this properly. Hadith is divine. But when we say Hadith is sound, not sound, when we authentic- authenticate the hadith, this is a human effort. You people, we, we only want from you one thing. First, make effort to understand how we authenticate. It's a human effort. Maybe we are right, maybe we are wrong. But first, we under- you understand what we have been doing, how we authenticate hadith. Once you understand, then after that, if you can bring something better than that, we have no harm to accept from you. Because this is human effort. In this matter, people who are not believers, they also can make some, uh, something better than that. So hadith is divine, 
But you know, the way we authenticate the hadith, that is not divine. In that matter, we can accept anybody's suggestion as long as they understand what we do. So that I explained to them. Maybe some of those things I explained, shall I try? Yeah, inshallah. I have taught this text many times in two days. Let's say those are the details. No, finishing something that very difficult anyway. You can, you know, be very, very fast. You know, this is actually no doubt really very important question and many people make this, uh, this argument and I appreciate that and I think if really people are convinced, the way you're saying, if some people are convinced that, that then the best way is when somebody writes or criticizes hijab or niqab, then some Muslim thinkers nicely, properly, they can write and explain their position and what actually Islamic position on this matter is, explain their, the logic and wisdom behind these things nicely and then become quite in a properly academic way. This is the best way I can think. But second thing, I don't really believe that if you don't answer them, then after that they will attack other things. The way the world is not like that. The way basically is when you criticize someone, if they react, then you do more. But once somebody just becomes quiet, normal, the way the nature of the world is basically, people want something happening. If something not happening, you never take any notice. It, it dies after a while. This is first my question. Sabar basically always makes you winner. Second thing I want to say is why you are thinking that they do this and then after that they will do something else. You know, you are thinking this because at the moment we are not doing anything. But what I am trying to say actually is we should be doer. We should do one thing then the next thing. We should actually make Islam in our life. Then we should make Islam to come in other people's. They keep saying that you know, now Islam, you know, we are writing against Islam. 
but the situation like this, that the people in our, our own people, you know, men and women both, they are so much influenced by Islam. By piety as the Muslims, they're good characters. They're influenced. If they don't accept Islam, as, 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 at least they have sympathy for Islam. To, uh, to Muslims are always become defenders when they are not Da'i community. If you are Da'i community, you can see really to move very fast. Like when the Prophet ﷺ was doing da'wah, any treaty, peace between Muslims and non-Muslims was in his interest. Makkans did not want to make treaty because treaty meant that they will be moving fast and we are not doing anything anyway because we are weaker. Any community which does da'wah properly with purity of the heart and proper intention properly, they always must be winning. They will be moving faster and people who fight them, they will be losing one battle after the other. So my thinking really is, we are not doing at the moment. If we do dawah properly and we really make our life pure and proper and you know, men and women both, you will see that we will be moving faster. We will be taking their, their, their you know, feel from, from their hand. And, and actually not only that, I was reading once a long time ago in one of the newspaper times, I think, you know, the article about uh, uh, British women converting to Islam. And actually the article starts with something like that, that in this country there is so much propaganda against Islam and especially against the position of Muslim women in Islam. But still, more women are coming to Islam than, than the men. Why like that? You can see and the answer was actually many women were interviewed, they say, we feel more protection in Islam. When we put on the niqab and hijab, we feel more dignified. Islam gives us more dignity than our own culture. Though really we don't have Islam, proper Islam, still you can see people can sex, make sense of that. We don't notice, but they can notice. My thing really is, we should not too much worry about other people, how they, what they do and how they write. Our way should be what we are doing. We think really, are we doing enough? Islam never can be weakened by other people's actions, but Islam certainly is weakened by our actions. Islam's enemy of Islam are Muslims themselves. It is actually our problem is internal, not external. Simple thing like that. Why the uh, Umar Khattab used to say, "Don't fear other enemy, fear yourself." So we Muslims should bring Islam and Iman to our life. Be good, die. You will see really. You will take everything from the hand of people. You know when Islam started, Syria and Iraq and you know Egypt, they were not Muslim. But why they become so quickly Muslim? When Islam moved to India, it was idol worshiper. Now you have got 200 million Muslims in India. Leave Pakistan and Bangladesh. How it happened? And it was not a good effort. If imagine had there been good effort, the whole land will, and it, it, a Muslim should do because they can save the people from the fire of hell. But we never do. So all this thinking only comes in the academic world because we are not die. So when you are not die, you are thinking you are insulted. But once you are die, you are thinking, oh, this person has got this problem. Let me come from another direction. You have new ideas. You keep thinking. Allah will help you, inshallah. My way always really is in this matter. Bring Iman and piety to your heart, to, to yourself, Muslim society, and use Dawah as the best way to convince other people, at least to make them to have sympathy for Islam, inshallah. Dawah. But otherwise, no doubt really, I don't criticize the people if they want to write something different of the hijab and niqab and explain properly, but don't make in a way it looks like a reaction or, you know, aggressive. No, just explain your position nicely, scholarly way, academic way, and people don't feel, uh, feel any offense from your writing. If you do this, it can do some benefit. But more than that actually is our own way life really. Change your character, be nice, be pious, be, be kind to the people, and actually change your house. People should feel that, that Muslim women in their houses, they are much more dignified, much more respected. We want to be like them. But at the moment, Muslim family have same problem with any other family. So who want to become Muslim? Very few people. 
you know, we have to make some examples. Our houses should be better than houses. Our life should be better than their life. Our society should be better than their society. People love that. Is it clear? Which word? Tabak. Yes. Oh, tabak. Yeah. Tabak basically means tabak means any covering. No, the tabak basically like when you cover something. So when you cover something, basically like you have closed one stage, then after that becomes something else. So like a tabak, like you have floors. So no, three floors, four floors. So basically, everything like moving from one stage to other stage. So when you close something, it becomes one. Then after that, it starts something next. Then you close that, second, third, fourth. That in Arabic language, you also use for the flow, for the stories, tabak. Th- you know, three floor, four floor, whatever. So tabak can mean one stage to the other stage. That meaning is. And tabak, I, I didn't explain the grammar because I, in my think really I don't have time. And in that, la tarkabunna tabakana an tabak means, la tarkabunna tabakad mutajawizan an tabakin. Yani you will basically proceed to one tabak moving away from the other one, to one after the other. So Anna has come in relation to mutajawizan, which is actually to understood there. It is not there, but it has to be understood. So full of what will be, latarkabunna tabakan mutajawizan an tabakin. Or you also can say to some people, latarkabunna tabakan mutajawizina an tabakin. Then it will be hard for tarkabunna. For those people who know Arabic grammar, you know, this is explanation. So what about Sweetie sir? There's some difference in the opinion between the number of ayat in the surah. Some people say 22, some people say 24, some people say 25. Which surah? This surah, in Shafat. Could be actually, Mostly the difference actually has been about Bismillah. When people add Bismillah, because one more verse, if people don't have Bismillah, it will be less. But it could be sometimes difference. Somebody has made two verses, like in Surah Al-Fatiha, like you know, when, when we say, the whole thing is one verse. So sometimes it could be these, these difference has come to the flexibility, but mostly I, I don't it could be I don't know the how, how strong the opinion because so it is way is to collect every single thing that has been in, in Surah. It could be a very weak opinion, but he you know he, he mentioned that. But I, I am not aware of that. We hope you enjoyed today's lecture and pray that it will be beneficial to you. Remember to tune in for the next one. For more insightful content in full HD quality on tafsir and other Islamic sciences such as hadith, fiqh, Arabic prose, grammar and morphology, as well as Islamic history, female scholarship and much much more, subscribe to our unique streaming platform on www.deepdeen.tv. Don't forget to visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.com and show your support, please click on the donate button and give whatever you can. Our institution is dependent on the generosity of people like yourself.